we had prayed about doing a sermon series called The Oldest Trick in the Book. And the, the purpose of this series is to dismantle the enemy's lies. We're living in a culture right now that believes a lot of lies, right? And lies are portrayed as truth. Matter of fact, sometimes lies are portrayed as gospel truth. And we have twisted evil and called it good, and we've called good evil in a lot of ways. And that is a deception, which is one of the oldest tricks in the book. And so what we're going to do in this next month or so, however long the Lord has us stay on this series, is we're going we're gonna to dismantle the enemy's lies, his deceptions, and his tricks. There's a scripture that is found in 2 Corinthians 2.11, and, and it talks about understanding the enemy's schemes. And it says this, in order that Satan might not outwit us, for we are not unaware of his schemes. Isn't that good? That he would not outwit us. And don't think that you're smarter or that you're like beyond being tricked. Because the Bible also says, be careful when you think you stand, lest you, what, fall. And I have seen so often that, the, that people who think, oh, this could never happen to me, it can happen. Sin is always there crouching at the door, looking for an opportune time to take you out. The enemy, uh, the Bible makes it plain that the enemy does have a mission statement. It is to kill, steal, and destroy you and your life and everybody and everything in your life. He wants to take you out. So if we know that to be true, then we need to be aware of his schemes so we can dismantle his lies and walk in victory. Amen? So we're going to get down and dirty this, this next month and really, you know, go about some things. We're going to hit pride. Ooh. Ah. I used to think I didn't have any pride. I'm like, that's a man thing. I'm good. <laughs> Sorry, men. Sorry, brothers. But that's what I thought. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I got so much pride. When you start praying and God reveal any pride in my life, he's like, boom, 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 boom. <laughs> it's manifest differently in different people. But pride, deception. Oh, I'm so honest. I tell the truth. I'm real as it comes. No, we all have deception in our, that we believe about ourselves and about others right? There's these things. And today I'm going to hit one, though. I'm going to start in a little bit different. And this message is going to be challenging, but it is going to be transformative. That's the word, right? Yes, it is. Hey, I'm a college graduate now. It is. <laughs> but if you get upset with this message today, do not get upset with me. Get upset with Andrew. Yes, Andrew in the back. Andrew in the back. He basically dog dared me to preach this message. Yeah, he said, uh, Joy, you need to preach on servanthood as he was bringing in the flags with his almost 60-something self one day. You need to preach on servanthood. People need to serve. I was taught to serve. I said, Andrew, I just taught on tithing. Pastor Josh can preach on serving, you know? Let me go home and get me a nice little fluffy word that make people feel good. And God's like, you better preach on that. <laughs> I'm like, but we got a sermon series already started. How does servanthood have to do with the oldest trick in the book? And the Lord reveals to me, because selfishness is one of the oldest tricks in the book. We all have a selfish nature. You see this manifested as early as sometimes 18 months of life where that baby does not want to share. Oh, it's mine. I mean, they went from innocent little sweet things to looking like Gollum, like it's my precious, right? Come on, it happens. I've got four of them, so I know when it happens about 18 months. I'm like, what happened? <laughs> I mean, it is our nature to be selfish, to want our own way. And not only is it our human nature, it's our culture. Our culture celebrates. Do you, boo? <laughs> I've probably said it myself because it's fun to say that. But at the same time, if me doing me, boo, is keeping me from hearing the voice of God and dying to my sinful nature to serve someone else that I don't feel like serving at that moment, that I'm doing a disservice to the Lord. 
Amen? I told y'all, if you're going to be mad, get mad at Andrew. It's his fault. <laughs> we can't be mad at Andrew. He's so sweet. <laughs> we'll see how the rest of this message goes if we're going to be mad. <clears throat> so today, I took the challenge, and I hope that you take the challenge, and we're going to die to that selfish nature. And the number one way to help us die to that selfish nature, defeating selfishness by serving others. Whew. By serving others. Let's just take a breath. <laughs> by serving others. I heard uh, Aunt Margaret's message online, and she said, every time you, you, you preach a message, you're going to be tested by the message you preach. What? Like, I didn't even want to preach this message. <laughs> and I didn't know until, of, I think it was last week, was it, when we had this little conversation? And even before then, like a week before, God knew what I was going to be preaching. And even a week before Andrew brought it up to me that I didn't want to do, I had already been tested in this area. And it's just been escalating. <laughs> because, friends, what we sometimes fail to, to mention in our Christian formation, our walk, our discipleship, is that dying to yourself is a process. There's a reason why Paul said, I die daily. It is a process. You know, it's not just being dead and then waking up a new person and then never, ever having that old nature trying to attack you. I used to say back in the day that, um, you know, that I had 18 years of fleshly joy in only one or two years. But now my, I've been saved longer than I've been un, I was unsaved. But that still those 18 years still try to creep back up from time to time. And we have to put it under. And so how do we put it under? Well, I want to talk today about one thing that can really help you defeat selfishness in your life, and that is serving. Um, the biggest example of serving is Jesus Christ himself. The word of God says that he didn't come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. So we're, Jesus is the biggest example, but sometimes when we use Jesus as an example, we just think to ourselves, man, that's too hard. He's Jesus. He's God, right? Even though the Bible tells us that we're supposed to imitate Jesus, sometimes we're like, oh, that's impossible. Well, let's look at somebody who did imitate Jesus and learn to die to a selfish nature, and that's Paul. Paul was a selfish dude. I mean, sometimes, even after Paul was saved, sometimes he would make a point, and I'm like, ooh, look at cocky Paul. He's so funny. Like, he would say, oh, you think, you think you're an apostle? I'm an apostle of an apostle. <laughs> he would go on, and that's my paraphrase, but he would say, you know, I'm a, a Benjamite. I'm, uh, I, I was circumcised on the ninth day. I was trained underneath this, you know, leader. I was a Pharisee. And he would go on and give all of his accreditations. And he got to the point, though, in his life that he said, whatever I was before Christ is hogwash. Ooh, I just came country on y'all. Told you I'm learning how to enjoy nature and become more country. So he says it's all rubbish, right? And he says, I count that rubbish in comparison to knowing Christ. And by the end of his life, he counted joy, all things joy, even being imprisoned for the gospel's sake. And when he was about to die, he would say, it's better for me to leave and depart from this body and be with Christ. But for you, it's better for me to stay and finish my assignment, finish my work. And so we see a transformation in Paul, one who went from persecuting the church. The disciples, when he first got saved, were literally afraid of him. To being one who was a little cocky, saying he didn't need any man to teach him anything, basically. To finally, towards the end of life, we see this transformation in him that he says, oh, now I'm the least of the apostles. And, and he says, that, you know, that he's willing to stay in the body to further the gospel. But whatever happens, whether he lives or dies, that the gospel would be preached. Everything he did was about sharing the good news of Jesus. So we see a transformation of a selfish man to a servant. And he's, he coins probably what, what a lot of theologians would say was his love letter to a church would have been the book of Philippians. So a lot of the books that the epistles that he writes are to bring correction. 
But the book of Philippians is different than any other letter that he crafted. And one of the reasons why it was different is because it really wasn't a letter of rebuke. It was more of a letter of encouragement and thanks and gratitude. Because they had just taken a collection and they gave it to him to help him in prison. They sent uh, Ephroditus to help him and to, uh, you know, be a servant to him. And so he writes this thank you letter. Well, right in the middle of the thank you letter is what a lot of theologians would say was one of the most powerful chapters that Paul ever wrote, and it's Philippians chapter 2. And Philippians chapter 2 is going to be our main text today. We're going to dig in deep here. There's, there's part of Philippians chapter 2, um, starting, I believe, in verse 5, that uh, down to verse 11, that Paul actually, most scholars believe he didn't write this. He... Um, he quoted it because it is what they would say the first church, the first century church, like a hymn that they would sing. And it really breaks down um, what, what theologians would call Christology. So who Christ is. And it breaks down that he's 100% God and 100% man and that he left heaven to be a servant. And that's what we're going to learn from today. So we're going to go right to the passage here in Philippians chapter 2. We're going to start in verse 3. You ready? All right. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, say humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. Have this mind, say this mind, among yourself, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in very form of God, did not consider equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking on the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Isn't that beautiful? to the glory of God. One translation says that our attitude should be the same as Christ Jesus. Woo. Woo. I mean, is that only just take my breath away? I mean, that's kind of, that's kind of, you, you just can't get around that. Your attitude should be the same as Christ Jesus. You remember those back in the 90s or actually not just back in the 90s because the Zoomers are bringing them back out again. Put your wrist up, buddy. I saw you had it on. What would Jesus do? WWJD. You remember those bracelets? <laughs> Our attitude should be the same as Christ Jesus. So we're going to take this passage and we're going to break down um, some points from this passage on how to defeat selfishness so that we can become the servants God created us to be. Amen? Number one, embrace humility. Say embrace. Mm-hmm. The first step is to cultivate humility in our own lives. I'm going to give you some tips to do that because, you know, I'm very proud to be humble, so I can teach you this. <laughs> Harley, come on. That was funny. That was funny. So, no, for real, though, we got to embrace humility because it's not natural. It's not natural to put others before ourselves. It's not natural to, there's very few people I've met in life that are just naturally humble, okay? And so we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna learn some, some tips here. Number one, reflect on your motives. <laughs> Come on, right? Self-awareness, friends, is a good thing. <laughs> Self-awareness is a good thing. Are, are we doing things to be seen, to get the attaboy, the pat on the back, you know? Or we need to take time to really, you know, look at our own motives, reflect on the reason why we're doing If we want to be humble, we need to reflect on our motives for even serving, okay? 
Are we serving to seek recognition? Right? Oh, my goodness. Some of us like attention. I know I do. So <laughs> we got to check ourselves before we wreck ourselves. <laughs> oh, man. That, that was from the prophet Ice Cube. So, um, <laughs> oh, just kidding, guys. Just kidding. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm a product of the 90s. <laughs> But we need to make sure that we're not just trying to get recognized when we do something right, you know? Uh, it was like Ananias and Sapphira. They, they copied off of Barnabas, who was called the son of encouragement, who sold property and took it to the apostle, the, the money he got to the apostles' feet and said, here, let's build this church. And Ananias and Sapphira was like, oh, snap, we about to do that too. Look, look, at, look at them. They gave him a nickname. They called him son of encouragement. What are they going to call us? They were like trying to be the first power couple for Jesus, right? But then they got, they sold that property and they got that money and they was like, ooh, let's keep a little bit back. But let's not tell him the, the apostles that were keeping any back. Let's just pretend that we're giving the whole thing. And they were doing it for attention. Their motives weren't good. And guess what, man? The first, like when people are like, oh, God in the Old Testament was so different than God in the New Testament. I'm like, did you read the book of Acts? Like, because God struck that couple down. First it was the husband. And was like, Psh. Peter was like, you lying to the Holy Spirit. Eh, you dead. He died. They took him right out. And here comes the wife, you know, like, and he gave her a chance. But, nope, she didn't tell the truth. Eh, you dead. Now, <laughs> both of the couple, they got plot by plot, burial right there. <laughs> I mean, that's what, the, that's what the Bible says. It's pretty serious. And so we need to be, be careful not to do things for recognition, you know. Practice humility in daily interactions. That's another tip. Be mindful of the interests of others and how you, you know, talk to people. Uh, that, be, you know, being mindful is very important. We, we try to make it like it's all woo, Easter. No, the Bible ta talks all throughout the Bible about taking every thought captive, making, being obedient of Christ, like think before you speak type stuff, right? And then I would say one of the greatest ways to help you walk in humility, to practice that, is understanding your limits, Understanding your limits. It is humble to say, I can't do this right now because I have too much on my plate. Versus saying, I'm going to do it and then have a bad attitude about it. Right? Understanding your limits is a very powerful way to walk in humility because I am a human being and I can't just do everything where I'm going to be burned out and I'm going to have an attitude problem. We all have the times like, where, where the young people call it, their social battery, like, runs out, right? Like, we just need a little bit of time to be by ourselves. That's why I go into my room, I shut the door, and I'm just done. Like, like please, like, handle your own crisis for her and let me get my, my eight hours of sleep. That's, like, important to me. Don't hate. As I'm telling you, that's healthy. You should try it sometime. You might not be as cranky if you actually get some good sleep. But we need to understand our limits, a lot of times what happens and the reason why we see people get burned out in church, I get so tired of hearing people say, oh, I'm so burned out. You are a grown person. You are in charge of your own life. If you are burned out, it's because you are doing more than what your being with God can support, right? So if we want to prevent that, we need to do one or two things. One, we need to understand our limits and say, I can't do that right now because you know, I just don't have the capacity to do that in my schedule right now. However, I will pray about what I can do, and I will make sure that what I'm doing is supported by my being with God. So there's some things like this weekend, I knew I had a lot of going on. And people think, oh, you're just so extroverted, blah, blah, blah. Yes, and I have, after I have my fourth kid, I have to recharge by myself sometimes. And so what I have had to learn is like, I have to pray more. When I know, especially certain obligations, things that are, are, are things that you're doing because you feel you, as a servant you need to do it. It's not necessarily you want to do it because we have things in life. You think we want to do everything that is, you know, on our, our plate to do? No, nobody wants to do everything. Sometimes even nice things like, you know, go to your kid's assembly. <laughs> you might just not want to watch 
three hours of flute playing or whatever it is. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) And so for me, whatever that thing is that I know I don't really want to do, but I know I ought to do it because it's the right thing. For me, I have to take time before to sit a little longer in the presence of God so that when I'm there, I'm there. Where you are, there you are. And then afterwards, I have to take some time to sit in the presence of God because three hours of flute, you know, is a lot. I haven't done that in years. I'm just making up a, a story. But you know what I mean? We all have things like that. And so it's okay to just know your limits and make sure that your, your doing for the Lord is supported by your being with the Lord. The same thing happens in church. Sometimes people come in with zeal, and they're like, I'm going to serve here. And every single week they're serving. And you expect me with my plate full to monitor what you're doing is not going to happen. You're grown. You're an adult. Monitor yourself and know what you can handle and what you can't. That's okay. It's called being a human being. And if you're doing more, you better make sure you're praying more. And if God has called you to a higher level of service, then he is also calling you to a higher level of devotion. Okay? And you won't be burned out if you spend that time with him. Okay? Amen. I really didn't want to hit that point that much because I really do want you guys to do a little bit more. But (laughs) I also don't want you to be burned out. So I'm just being real right now. Don't get burned out. Amen? Okay, one more thing on humility. Man, I got a lot of tips. Okay, one more thing on humility, and I'm kind of piggybacking off of what Aunt Margaret said. To walk in humility, we have to forgive and be reconciled. Okay, so if we want to be a servant, we have to forgive. People are going to make us mad. (sighs) Some of us have more feelings than others, right? Like, I, I feel what you feel. Sometimes it's, like, annoying, and sometimes it's awesome, right? But some of us have more feelings than other people, and for those of us who are highly sensitive people like myself, we have to be careful not to get offended over every little thing that somebody says or does or doesn't do or ought to do or they should act like how I act. I expect from them what what I am, but they're not me. Come on. And you know who we do this to the most? Family whether it's kids or in-laws, come on, somebody, right? Or, or, or our husband or our wife, we expect that the most from our family. We got to give grace. Forgive, because if not, you can get yourself in a position, like Aunt Margaret said last week, and I know many people like that, that's happened year after year after year, where they go years without talking to their own family, and not because they're being persecuted by Christ, because they have an offense that they've never dealt with right? That's different. And so know your limits, know your boundaries, but also know to walk in forgiveness. And sometimes we got to let go and we got to move on, but we got to walk in forgiveness. That's being humble. That's how you can be a humble servant. Amen. Lots of tips. All right. So we need to embrace humility. Woohoo! Number two, if we want to defeat selfishness in our life and become the servant God has called us to do, we need to engage in other people's interest. Hmm. I don't really care about Zelda. You might ask, what is Zelda? It is a video game that started in the 1980s that I didn't care about then either. I liked Mario. Zelda, to me, is boring. I'm sorry all those who love Zelda. It is boring to me. It's very long. I, and listen, when I lived in the little house on, uh, what's that street? Because you guys live there for a hot second too. No, not Colburn. <laughs> not Prouty. What's that street? Pleasant. Pleasant. Wasn't it pleasant? I think it was pleasant. It wasn't very pleasant, but we lived in this little house. The, 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 the foundation kind of like, you could put a ball on one side of the house and it would just roll down by itself on the other. So my husband at the time, we were, this was like in the early 2000s, we got rid of our TV because we were lovers of Jesus and we didn't want that idiot box, right? But every once in a while when Zelda came out, we borrowed the idiot box from the church as well as a video game system. Actually, I think we borrowed it from you, if I remember correctly. I'm pretty sure Josh borrowed your video game system. And up late at night, we only had one child at the time, I would sit there and I would do my work and sit next to my husband playing this game. I even had the song in my head and watch him play this game for hours because it bonded us. Even though I still, to this day, could give a flying rip about Zelda. Sorry, I just don't care. (laughs) I, I just don't. But I have sons now who love the game. So it makes me love the game. Even though I'm like, oh, you're selling me out for uh, Princess uh, Zelda again. That's okay. 
right? She's the, she's the female, right? I should know this. I should know this. I told you I don't really care that much. But I try to put their interests above my own. Just the bond. Sometimes we're like, oh, I don't get along with this kid or I don't get along with that kid because they play a sport that you don't play. Get into their interests. Be involved in their lives. Take notice. Take care. And guess what? And that goes um, for the church too. Guess what? I don't always care about necessarily, although I do really love every age group, so maybe this is a good example for me, but I still, as a senior pastor who's done this thing for 20-plus years, will volunteer in the nursery. Is it because I wake up that morning like, I can't wait to be in the nursery with the babies? No, because I want to put the interests of those parents and those children above my own. And when I'm in there with my boy Chris, we're going to do a song. We're going to teach a lesson. We're not going to just sit there and talk the whole time. We're going to take that hour and a half, and we're going to pour into those kids because we're putting their interests above our own. Does it mean that I feel called to work the nursery? No, I feel called to be obedient, to be a servant of the Lord. Amen? Amen. Okay, I could stay on that point forever, but we got to put each other's interests above our own. How do we do that? Well, we practice active listening. <laughs> That's hard. That means be quiet and ask reflective questions. Practice active listening with your, your spouse, your children, with your parents, with your, with your friends, with people at church, when you're working kids' church, nursery, practice active listening. Look for opportunities to serve your family. Look for opportunities to make their day a little easier. You know, say your husband's picking up some extra shifts and he's working some side jobs. He's hustling that week. Maybe ask him, hey, what can I do to make your life a little easier this week? He might say, do some laundry and fold it. Ugh, I hate doing laundry and folding it. My husband just recently showed me a video of a woman who went viral on 40-man-year-old TikTok, I guess. Um, and so he showed it to me. He's like, I'm so glad you're not like this woman. And I'm like, what? Apparently, the, the husband and his father-in-law, like, redid their house and, like, like worked really hard. And this and, – and, was really busy and so called the wife and said, hey, can you clean up our tools and sweep up? There's sawdust everywhere and we'll get back and do this. And she had the audacity to go on a 40-year-old TikTok and be like, oh, look at me, well, I have it so hard. My husband asked me to clean up and people just oof, knocked her to pieces a few times. Well, first they took her side, you know, all the feminists, and then they knocked her to pieces, the other ones. And... <laughs> And apparently she got a divorce. And I'm not saying this to think anyone's better because even when he told me, I said, listen, I don't think I'm better. I would never get on TikTok and do that. I would just call up my sister. Come on, somebody. <laughs> None of us are perfect. But the point of that silly story is to say this. Sometimes when someone asks us to do something that we don't really want to do, when it's usually in our home, let's be real. And sometimes it's at the church too, let's be real. We do it and we don't do it with an attitude. We do it on to the Lord, putting their interests above our own. Amen. Y'all mad at Andrew yet? <laughs> Lord. Look for opportunities. Opportunities. Where can I help? Where can I serve? Right now, God has blessed us with some, some new people, and, and there's been some transitions in our church. So maybe you don't know. What areas do we need help with? I'll tell you. Um, every area. <laughs> but we need help specifically with the, with the younger kids right now, with the ECD. If we, uh, we call that early childhood. If we really desire to grow the way God has caused and called us to grow, then we have to make sure that we're taking care of people's kids or they're not going to want to come back. And so that means, you know what? Oh, I had a hard week working. So did I. Have justice with you. <laughs> like, it's hard sometimes. You know what I'm saying? Suck it up and serve every once in a while. Maybe it's once every other month. Do what, you are, what your limitations allows you to do, but serve somewhere. Say, maybe it's not babies. Maybe you need to learn a computer. Maybe you could help Sarah set up so people have something to eat. Maybe you can greet once a month. But when we're using the same people over and over and over and they never get a break, then that causes burnout. And then eventually they're going to leave. And we don't want anyone to leave. We want this place to grow. And we want this place to feel like home. And we want people to come and feel loved and feel the presence of God. And we want people to serve. Listen, I'm doing kids' church again. Do you think when Jill left and I prayed about who was going to do kids' church, that I said, yes, let it be me after 20 years of not doing kids' church? No. I had a little fit with the Lord for a little bit. Sorry, Jill, if you're watching this. Just a little bit. 
But not as long as I had a fit in 2019 when I had to take over youth. I had a longer fit then. I said, God, I have been a youth pastor at this church and the church before that I was raised in three and four different times. Now I got teenagers. Let someone else teach them. And God, God just kept getting on me, getting on me, and I finally submitted. And when I did it, man, God blessed it. Then he brought Jeremy along and all the horse homies, right? So this time I only threw a fit a little bit, and I thought, you know what? I am going to do it, and I'm going to do it with all my heart, and I'm going to raise up another team, and we're going to have fun, and we're going to make kids feel special when they come. We're going to learn their names. We're going to learn their hobbies. We're going to make this fun for them. They're going to learn about Christ. We're going to make opportunities. We're going to take them to the nursing home. We're going we're gonna to do JBQ, and, and we're going to have a good time, and we're going to grow this piece, and it's going to be good but I'm going to do it with the team. And my boy Chris joined the team. My boy Andrew joined the team. Carrie OG's been on the team. And we're going to have a good time doing it. Why? Because we're going to put the interests of our children above ourselves. Because how dare we complain about a generation that is going to hell and doesn't know Jesus when we don't even want to serve? Ooh, Andrew, why you got to be so feisty, though? I mean, jeez. <laughs> how can we put people's interests above our own practice kindness <laughs> practice kindness like learn people's names learn the kids names high five them Elliot my boy I love Elliot he's my new my new favorite kid man he high fives you until your hand feels like it's on fire but you know what it's like get to know them get to know their interests get to know their name practice kindness listen find out what's going on in someone's life Become more than just a Sunday church friend. Invite someone out to eat afterwards. Oh, but I'm new. Guess what? I'm just going to let you know a lot of people here are new. <laughs> so God, I feel like, has in the last six months shifted and brought in some new people and, and sent out other people, and that's okay. <coughs> Excuse me. So practice kindness and put other people's needs first. <coughs> The third step, I like swallow something up here, my, gu my guys. I'm sorry. <laughs> you see my eyes is, ooh. It wasn't a bug. I don't know what it was, though. <laughs> I swallowed something. It wasn't a bug, but I think it might have been a fuzzy or something. I don't know. <laughs> I have swallowed lots of bugs. I go to Cedar Point every year, and it's so much fun. As a matter of fact, if anyone wants to uh, get tickets or if you have season passes or if you want to go, Call your girl, because I love Cedar Point. All right, number three, exemplify Christ's character. So you want to be killing that sinful nature, that selfish nature, and you want to follow Christ. Exemplify his character. All right, devil, I rebuke you. <laughs> Exemplify his character. <coughs> Have the attitude of Christ. Attitude of Christ. <coughs> Some tips, you ready? <clears throat> I'm not, so hold on a minute. <laughs> Can someone give me a cough drop, uh, Janae or, or John, whoever's fastest? Thank you. <coughs> oh, thank you. <clears throat> Jeremy, whatever you had, you better not have given it to me. That's a summertime. <laughs> he talked to me this morning like this. I'm like, no, nah, bro. <laughs> not fast enough, apparently. <laughs> I'm like, where did this come from? All right. <clears throat> I swallowed a fuzzy. It was like tickled me all the way down. <laughs> Here we go, guys. Some tips to being like Jesus. Number one, study the life of Jesus. Study his life. Go through the Bible. If you've never went through the Bible and paid attention to the red letters, you should. I remember, um, and I'm going to get to Aunt Margaret's Bible study. If you guys have not, if you're not working on Wednesday or if you get a Wednesday break and you're a lady, sorry, guys, come to Aunt Margaret's Bible study. I'm, I plan on, on coming hopefully this Wednesday. Um, but I remember when you guys did like the life of Christ and just like, and, and then one time on a Thursday night here, we did a Bible study where we talked about, um, the th the times that the seven different times Jesus said, I am and study that stuff, like study 
his word and who he says. Chris, that's one thing I love about you, my brother. Like, you get into the word and you, you learn it for yourself. And I'm not saying this to puff you up, but I'm saying that when you do that, it encourages me. Matter of fact, I was just talking about you without using your name to somebody. I can't remember who because I've been kicking it. Like, I've been having a great time this last couple weeks. And I said, yeah, we got this young adult <laughs> at our church. I said, when he first came, he actually came to like a little hangout that we had at, our, at my house. <laughs> and I loved him. Like, he dropped a couple of cuss words, like, right right from the, bu- from the jump. And I was like, oh, I love him. <laughs> like, I don't know. It's not that I like cussing, but I like realness. I hate it when people put on a show for me, you know. <laughs> so he was real, and I'm like, all right. So then he came that Sunday, and I can't, I, I can't remember what I was preaching on, but I was having fun. I don't think I choked that day. <laughs> and it was about knowing the word of God. I know I was preaching about knowing the word of God. And so he took that challenge, and then, like, he read, like, a whole book of the Bible and came back like, I read all this, you know, I read all Proverbs or I read all, and every time I saw him, he's like, oh yeah, that's funny that you preach that because I just memorized this scripture. I'm like, oh bro, I can't let him just like, like be in this word more than me. (laughs) I'm like, I need to sharpen up my skills. That's what happens when you have a little bit of a competitive nature. It's like, I got to sharpen up some of my skills. But what is cool about being with new believers or people who rededicate their life to the Lord is there's a fire and fire is contagious. <laughs> and that's why we need that. And we want <clears throat> to, you know, have the attitude of Christ to exemplify his character. Then we need to study what would Jesus do, right? Do you know the story of the bracelet that you have on your hand? No, no, yeah, WWJD. Not like whoever gave you that specifically. But do you know the story of the WWJD bracelet? Well, I do. <laughs> Lucky you. It happened in the <laughs> it happened in the '90s, of course, when I was a teenager, and it was a, a female youth leader up in Michigan, and she challenged. Um, well, actually, before then, it happened in the 1890s. I can't remember what the guy's name was, but he was a famous preacher, and he uh, challenged his church to to before they do anything, ask what would Jesus do, and that church like experienced revival. Okay, so this girl in the '90s found out about that, and decided to coin WWJD for her youth group. And then it just spread everywhere. Like, everybody in the, in the 90s, I was like, I rededicated my life to the Lord in 1997, 98. And, I mean, I had, every, I had all the bracelets on. Like, you go back and see those pictures. And then Jeremy gave me some new ones, and then my kids took them. And I need some new ones again, Jeremy, so we got to find, find whoever your dealer is. I need, I need it, too. <laughs> But isn't it cool how something starts small and it grows? You know, but we never, we, we have to take the time to realize God does that on purpose. He starts things small so we don't despise small beginnings and so that we grow it. And I really believe there's God is doing something special in this place. And I have sensed in the last season that there's just like been a shift. And we just got to stay in tune with what the Holy Spirit is saying. And we got to be ready to be obedient. And part of that is not only stepping up and, and giving, which I didn't want to preach that word either. But then Andrew comes around, you know, talking about servanthood. We got to step it up in that. Not necessarily meaning we have to do more, but that we have to be more intentional about what we do. Right? And some of you might have to do more. That's okay. If we're making sure we're being sustained by Christ. Amen. Okay, so study the life of Jesus if you want to, you know, be like him. Embrace self-sacrifice. I hate legalism. I can't stand it probably because for me, after I got saved, I fell a little bit into legalism. Not like jeans, skirts, and buns and no makeup. Thank God I didn't fall into that part. But I did fall into some other parts like no lucky charms and... Yeah, I know, silly. Throw all the Barneys away. Like, no, like, just different things that was, like, uh, I'm trying to remember some of the things. We had a lot of weird, like, throw away our idiot box. You know, it's like, I didn't know how to apply self-control, so everything external was of the devil. We found a demon underneath every, every tree, it felt like, in that season of my life. And I needed that season because God was, like, working to really clean me up. But legalism is is... I'm all for self-sacrifice. 
Legalism is when you put what God put on you onto other people. And that's where I started falling into, oh, look at that person. You know, I mean, we, we grew up in the I Kiss Dating Goodbye generation. Y'all don't even know about that. I mean, like when Josh came around, I was like, oh, antichrist. No, thank you. I am holy and pure and born again. <laughs> I'm serious. It was like really weird. And then, um, well, it was at camp. And there was a little fire. And we had to watch these uh, inner city kids so that they didn't, because it was like camp camp, like tents out like in the boonies like they were like basically using number two and a a hole dug into the ground it was really gross um (laughs) as soon as I became a children's pastor I said we are going to a camp that has air conditioning and cabins I'm not doing this (laughs) (laughs) but at that time I was putting other people's interests before my own I was trying to be like Christ but then you know the animals would come out at night like skunks and raccoons and different things and it would scare me so I woke up Josh so that's how we got together because he would come out and sit with me when it was my time to watch in case the kids had to use the bathroom in the middle of the night so we had different people take night watches that was what the thing I know Karen's looking like please don't ever do that I don't plan on it actually maybe maybe here that would be fun okay anyway I just had (laughs) and that's how it all started with us but the thing was at that time I was like so anti-dating that that I made it like it so I try to take that on and then I put it on my my kids in the beginning I'm not saying everybody needs to do what they feel called from the Lord to do with their with their own children but I believe with Shua I was probably a little bit too strict in the beginning years and didn't listen to him enough and hear what he was going going on in his life and we've repaired that relationship I've repented from that and I've tried to do a little better with the other ones, not that they won't ever get grounded. <clears throat> you can ask some of them that's maybe in this room, like if they've ever been grounded. It happens still. However, not to the point that it used to happen with, with the trial child, right? We've got to grow, we've got to learn, and we've got to keep doors open for a relationship. That is something that Christ would do. He doesn't cut you off, right? Christ doesn't send us to hell. Oh, wait, are you saying that I don't, you don't believe in hell? Oh, I believe in hell. I wrote a whole seven-page paper about it. It's our sin that sends us to hell. And Christ died on the cross to pay the price for our sin. And if we repent, even at the last moment, like the thief on the cross, we have an opportunity to spend eternity with Christ. So if I want to emulate Christ, I need to learn his humility. I, learn, I need to learn self-sacrifice, not legalism. I need to learn to listen and be okay with sin with sinners, tax collectors, and prostitutes, and not thinking that I'm better than anyone else, including our own children who are going to have testimonies. Amen. All right, last but not least in this final step that I'm going to wrap up in five minutes, I can do it, is if you want to defeat selfishness by serving others, then we need to experience the exhortation of joy of service. I had too many words, and I asked Josh to fix it, but he said, woman, you're going to just have to deal with it because I got to go. But if I was going to fix it, (laughs) it would have been ex experience the exhortation through service because what I mean by that is when we humble ourselves God exalts us when we get low he lifts us high when we lower ourselves and what we want to serve other people he exhausts us, and we see that Jesus set the example for us. The word says that he emptied himself and became a servant, put on the nature of humans and became a servant, not just any servant, but a servant that was obedient unto death, even death on a cross. He, was, he lowered himself so that he could be lifted up, and the Bible says then, at the name of Jesus, every tongue every knee bow and every tongue confess that he is lord the scripture goes on and says that he now sits at the right hand of the father the word of god says that if we humble ourselves in due season we will receive our reward and so friends we have to learn that part of uh god lifting us up is when we lower ourselves by serving other people we have to make sure that we're seeking eternal award. I was just laughing with one of my kids about, or somebody, I can't remember who. I've had a lot of friends this week. <laughs> but I was laughing about how I w- we used to say, like even being interns, like, oh, well, 
You're going to have to visit me in heaven in my mansion because that's where my reward is going to be. But so often we want our reward right now. Whew, God, help us. And when we have an eternal mindset, we're going to make sacrifices and we're going to realize that as we lower ourselves, God will lift us up in his due season and we will have a reward in heaven. But even our reward in heaven will seem like nothing and we're going to lay it at his feet and say, it was all worth it just to know you. You are my portion, Jesus. You are my reward. You are my eternity. Amen. So, but we can find fulfillment in serving. Not only when we serve other people does it change them, but it transforms us. I just recently heard a story, and I've heard it once before, but I heard it in a different viewpoint, of our superintendent of the Assembly of God. His name is Doug Clay. Years ago, he was the pastor at Calvary. And Doug Clay, you could look at him and be like, oh, man, this guy is super successful. Like, you see leadership just drips off of him, and you just think, oh, he must have been born with a, you know, you could look at people like that and think they are born with a silver spoon in their mouth. No. This man's um, father was a pastor, passed away, and, and died er- earlier when he was, like, a young boy. I think he was, like, 10. And so his mother was telling the story, and she's still alive. She's in her 90s and was speaking about how God, you know, used the church and used people to help her raise her sons. And eventually, Doug Clay felt called himself to go into the ministry, but at that time, He didn't know how he was going to afford Bible college, so he had all these different plans of what he was going to do. And a pig farmer, I heard Doug Clay say this, a pig farmer of all people in, guess where, Wauseon, Ohio, I believe is what he said, paid for him to go to school. (laughs) And now look at him. You never know when we lower ourselves for somebody else, when we sacrifice for somebody else, what God can do with that life, with that person. So go out your way. To serve other people. Not only will they be transformed, but friends, you yourself will experience the joy of serving and it will transform your own attitude. Would you stand to your feet with me today? (laughs) Thank you, Jesus. Let's just bow our heads before the Lord. I just want us to take some time right where we're at. Let's make an altar right at our seat, right where we're at. And let's just ask the Lord. You know, like one of the things that, that we talked about is, God, show me my own motives. If there's, or if there's something in my heart that maybe the reason I'm not surfing is selfish, maybe the reason I am surfing is selfish, maybe this attitude with this family member has been from a selfish place, whatever it is, ask the Lord to search you. So let's just take some time and ask the Lord to search you. <laughs> you're in this place and you feel like the Lord has already like revealed to you some wrong motives or maybe something you need to ask him to forgive you of, would you just raise your hand before the Lord? Lord, just show us, Lord, if there's selfish motives, if there's Maybe it's not even just motives. Maybe it's just selfish attitudes that that we haven't dealt with, that we haven't surrendered to you. Would you reveal that to us? Would you show us? The cool thing about, about God is when we ask him to forgive us, like he takes our sin as far as the east is from the west, like it's done, it's over with. I believe there's some of us, not only are we asking the Lord to show us our own motives, but there's some of us that that we need the Lord to show us our limitations. Sometimes we just do too much. (laughs) And we need God to show us our limitations. If that's you in this place today, would you just raise your hand? Raise your hand before the Lord. All right. 
And I believe there's some of us in here, like me, the story I told about not, not wanting to do youth ministry, but stepping into it anyway. And God just blessed me in that season. And I, I, I really got to know Jeremy more and the, the horse homies. And Kara and Janae was in the youth group at the time. And look, look at them now, you know. Got to go to camp with them. And I'm so grateful for that season of my life, even though I didn't want to do it. <laughs> so grateful I, I was obedient. There's some of you that might be in here right now that God is calling to do something that you might not really want to do, but the Lord wants to use that as training. God, I just pray right now in the name of Jesus for every son and daughter in this house today. God, I pray that you would show them what you're calling them to do for this season and that they would know they cannot do it on their own strength, that they would understand their limitations. And God, that they would spend more time being like you, being in your presence, that their doing would be supported by their being. That might mean that they can't go out with their friends or they can't do something that, that maybe they would want to do because they need to just spend some extra time. Maybe that means they have to wake up earlier or go to bed later so they have their devotional life prioritized. God, I just also believe that there's people in this house today, Lord, that you're calling them to step up. Maybe they're going to serve once every other month in the nursery with the babies. Maybe they're, they're going to join my kids' team. Maybe they're going to join the greeter team or the hospitality team, which is Sarah right now, Lord. Help them join that, Lord. Maybe it's that they're going to be stepping out more at their workplace, serving people there or in their family that you're going to show them some things that they need to do. God, we thank you that, Jesus, you set the example for us on how to be a servant. Lord, I thank you. Paul set the example, and he said, follow me as I follow Christ. Lord, help us all follow you, Christ. Become servants. Become people of God that are willing to put others before ourselves. And, God, I thank you for sending revival, Lord God, in this church, in this community, Lord, that more people would come to know you. And when they come into this house, that they would see people who are happy to be here, that are glad to be in the house of Lord, people who are happy to serve kids, people who are happy to serve one another. God, I thank you for raising up Bible studies and small group leaders. And God, I thank you for raising up evangelists, people in this place that are willing to serve and to go the extra mile. And Lord, I pray as they go, that you would refresh them and that you would fill them. As they sow, Lord God, that they would reap, Lord God, what you have for them. God, would you defeat that selfish nature in us? by helping us become born again, on fire, spirit-filled servants of God. In Jesus' name, God's people said, amen. God bless you guys.